We're taking a short break from our series on Mark to celebrate a great milestone, half a million downloads of Walk with the King podcast. As a thank you to listeners like you, we're sharing a special series we're calling the Walk with the King podcast Top 10, a 10-part collection comprised of the most downloaded podcasts from Walk with the King. Thank you for your continued support, and thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? Doing all right today? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. Your friend Bob Cook is feeling great. Praise the Lord. Happy in Him. Glad for a chance to open the Word of God with you and share these precious, wonderful truths. Now, there's uh, just one other word in the end of Romans 12, 2 that we want to look at before we go on. He says that you may prove what is good and acceptable. God's will is good in its essence, good in its intentions, and good in its results. It's acceptable. That means it's easy to take. All of the devil's lies to the contrary. And now he says it's perfect. Now that word perfect, when you study it in your Greek New Testament, is related to our idea of purpose. Uh, if you studied theology, you had among the various arguments for the existence of God the teleological argument, which means the argument from design. You remember that, any of you seminary students? Well then, the uh, word having to do with being perfect as you find it here in Romans 12, 2, is from that same root. Let me look at it and, and uh, uh, reassure myself here. I've got this Greek New Testament that I've used ever since, well, a long time ago. It's wearing out. i got to get another one, I guess. That you may prove, said he, the will of God, the good, the easy to take, you Ariston, and the teleon, Perfect. <clears throat> Teleon. Now that has to do with the idea of design. And I want to stop here long enough to remind you that when you say yes to God's will, you are saying yes to a perfect plan. We, we think in terms of, of bits and pieces in life, don't we? It's today at 10 o'clock or tomorrow at midnight that certain crises arrive, and we think in those terms of bits and pieces of life not always able to see a complete plan because we don't live a whole lifetime at a time, but God is the God who is there. He's already in the future, and he sees all of the the past and the present and the future as one great tapestry uh, woven uh, by his own perfect will. Known unto God, the Bible says, are all his works from the beginning of the world. Jesus himself, uh, we read in John chapter 6, knew what he would do. In John chapter 3, it said he needed not that any should tell him of men, for he knew what was in men. The omniscience of God includes the future as well as the past and the present. That being so, when you say yes to the will of God, you are saying yes to a perfect plan. Now, this is, this is the, one of the greatest sources of reassurance, believer, that you and I can ever have. Because at a given point in life, you're not quite sure that everything will work out right. Isn't that true? Someone was telling me how heartbroken he was when he broke up with a certain girl early in his life. He thought everything had fallen apart. She had everything he wanted. She was beautiful. She was talented. She was a fine Christian, so on and so on and so on. But the, the, the romance broke up for whatever reason I forget. 
And now the years have gone by, and he looks back and he says to me thoughtfully, You know, Bob, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. Now he had his own reasons, and I shall not go into them. But the point is, you at a given point may think your life is ruined and your heart is broken and everything is going wrong. As a result, you say, here, I obeyed God and look what happened to me. A banker wrote to me one time and he said, you spoke to me about saying yes to the will of God. It does seem, Bob, that every time I say yes to God's will, he zaps me. Why is this? <laughs> Bless his heart. Oh, we all feel that way sometimes, don't we? You see, because you can't understand, God says, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. You don't always understand what God is doing. That's why Paul uh, prayed for the people in Colossae. He said, I pray that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He said, I want you to get to understand what God is doing in your life. One of the most delightful discoveries is to uh, discover that you really know what God is doing in your life. And this comes as the Holy Spirit enlightens you. He dwells within the believer, and his job is to do just that for you. But oh, it's hard sometimes when life is falling in on you. You don't feel very happy at the time. And you say, God, what are you trying to do, kill me? No, no. He is refining the gold. He shall sit as a refiner, the Bible says. He's refining the gold, getting the dross out, and doing that which is according to his perfect plan. I think just now when I mention gold, I think of that story that Amy Carmichael tells in one of her books. Great missionary lady in India, years and years ago, now with the Lord a good many years. She said that she watched a, a refiner in, a, in an Indian bazaar. That's a word for open marketplace there. She watched him as he applied his trade. He had a little charcoal brazier, uh, and uh, underneath it, the flames were, were hot as he fanned them with a homemade bellows, and the, uh, the ore, the golden ore in the melting pot uh, boiled up. He very carefully skimmed off the slag that rose to the top, and then he let it cool a little, and then he blew again with the bellows upon the flames beneath, and the gold uh, melted, and still more slag impurities came to the top. And finally, he leaned back on his heels, squatting there as he was, Indian fashion, leaned back on his heels, looked up with a smile, and said to nobody in particular, it's finished. Well, she was standing near enough to speak with him, and she said, Saib, how do you know when it is finished? And he flashed her that wonderful Indian smile. When an Indian smiles, the whole world lights up, you know. He flashed her that wonderful smile, and he said, Saiba, he said, I know it's finished when I can see my face perfectly reflected in the gold. We all with open face beholding as in a glass the, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image, his face reflected, changed into the same image by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul says there in 2 Corinthians, God is in the business of refining you, beloved. It's not fun when he applies the heat and skims off the slag. No, it's not fun. But the Bible never said that you always had to be happy. It said you had to be faithful. There's a difference, isn't there? The will of God is perfect. When you say yes to the will of God, you're saying yes to a perfect plan.
Now, how does that affect you today? It may affect somebody who's in business because you may be considering even now whether or not you should say yes to what you feel is the will of God for you in business, which would involve changing your job or leaving your job without knowing where you're going to the next one. That has happened to people that I know about in the last few years. They felt God calling them, but they didn't know where. And it was not until after they had cut the cords of their own present employment that they found out God had something wonderful for them. That's a risky business, isn't it? Well, you're risking it with God, I guess, isn't it? Oh, it may involve changing jobs. It may involve changing your relationships with some people. It may involve changing the direction of your life's interests. What is the will of God? I don't know what it is for you, beloved. I'm thinking right now of some people who are nearing the retirement age in their own business. They could take an early retirement and go to the mission field and serve for 10 or 15 years fruitfully and pay their way. What a glorious ministry God would give you, beloved, if you'd think about that. I don't know whether that's God's will for you, but it just flashes into my mind even now. Perfect. God's perfect plan for you may, I say, may, not must, but may involve some changes. Well, if it does, remember, he's planned it. You're safe in the pierced hands. You're safe in the will of God. God's will is good. It's acceptable. It means it's easy to take. And it's perfect. That means it's part of a perfect divine plan. I wonder how the, uh, the apostles and the rest of the believers felt when persecution began so fiercely to uh, occur uh, in the early days of the church. Do you remember how that uh, came about? The, uh, the first rumblings of it had to do with uh, how they treated Peter and John after the healing of the lame man, threw them in jail. But uh, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said, Ye rulers of the people of Israel, if this day we're examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name, and so on. Oh, what a sermon he preached. They had to let them go. Well, things went on, and finally they, had, they, uh, they appointed, the church did, these seven deacons. One of them was a great preacher, and his name was Stephen, full of faith and power. He did great wonders and miracles among the people. Well, uh, the, the end of his preaching was that they came upon him, brought him into a trial. Uh, he gave his testimony. Uh, all of chapter 7 of Acts is the testimony of Stephen. And finally, uh, they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, and stoned him. Now, what happened? Why, it says that there was a great persecution arose. Uh, at that time, a great persecution against the church at Jerusalem. Now, can't you imagine yourself saying, Lord, everything was going so well. 
3,000 people saved on the day of Pentecost, other thousands added to the church, the group of believers meeting together, uh, even the, the, the matters of how to feed people had been solved, and spirit-filled deacons ministering to folk, and, and the gospel being preached. Why this? Why, why do you let them pick on us now? A great persecution. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, why? Do you remember the Lord Jesus saying to them, Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the world? They were too comfortable in Jerusalem. He had to send them out. And what happened to them was part of his perfect plan to get the gospel out across the world. Submit to the will of God in the knowledge, beloved, that it's good and acceptable. And when you say yes to his will, it's part of a perfect, eternal plan. Hallelujah for that. Dear Father, today we ask that we may fit into thy perfect plan. Keep us from fussing about the will of God. Help us to say yes to thy will and yield to thy perfect intentions for us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, I pray. Amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.